to One Move at a Time, the U.S. Chess Podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area, one move at a time. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess Podcasts, which include cover stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, in which I go more in-depth with each month's cover story, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, and that is hosted by our Women's Program Director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant Director of National Events, Pete Karianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org or by subscribing via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's podcast. Welcome to the February edition of One Move at a Time. Our guest today is Michael Proper of Chess NYC. Michael is a native New Yorker who has hustled his way through the New York City business world by starting his career as a teenager retailing in the streets of New York City to becoming the owner of a telecommunications startup to a New York City school board president and current director of Chess NYC and president of New York City Chess Services, Inc., a nonprofit focused on expanding the reach and impact of chess as far as possible. Welcome to the show, Michael Proper. Well, thank you, Dan. I'm glad to be here. Um, So let's start, Michael, with just what is your chess background? My chess background is actually chess de minimis. I am a former former school board, elected school board president, and um, I really didn't play very much chess as a a kid, but I learned about chess and the value of chess and the education system as we were lobbied to get chess into schools and chess into classrooms and et cetera by the parent community. So that was my first introduction to chess, and um, ultimately... I've always formed teams in different sports. I've always done AAU basketball teams. I've always developed competitive organizations over my life uh, as a hobby and for a living. And I was introduced to chess by someone who was coaching chess, coaching basketball that I was considering hiring to coach a team for me. And he introduced me to this thing called New York City Chess. Again, at that time, not a chess player. Got involved in it. Um, I did a little due diligence, saw what was going on in the market in the marketplace uh, with chess. Uh, I saw an opportunity, uh, learned a bit about the game and, and the exciting component of the game and got involved with New York City Chess. Fast forward to 2020, which is about uh, 12 years later, and I'm a relatively good chess player. I'm a better teacher of chess players to teach than I am of a chess player. I'm a better coach for mindset and, 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 and focus than I am tactical, tactically teaching or coaching chess because I don't have that pedigree over all the years of my life studying the game. I, I have a great appreciation for the game, um, and I think it's the, we call it the most exciting game in the world without a ball, and I genuinely believe that, but I, I, would, would, I would be less than um, forthright if I said I was a great chess player. <laughs> Do you ever get any uh, pushback from chess players when they just say, hey, don't qualify that. We're just the best game, period, ball or no ball? Uh, no, I, I, we, don't get a lot of, uh, we, we don't get a lot of communication from the chess community in, in that respect. We have a really different approach than, than it's been done in the past. And no, no one ever tells me it's just as exciting. I don't, I don't even know that chess players 
considers it as exciting as we do. <laughs> they just love the game. So, so give us an overview of Chess NYC, uh, what it is, when you founded it, uh, what the plans for the future are. Well, Chess NYC, when it began, for me, my vision initially, and it's morphed into quite a bit more. It's evolved into something really, really very exciting and interesting to me. I went into chess because I felt it was an, an extremely underdeveloped game in this country. That was what I, my first realization was how little play there was and how little league play and how little, how, how um, exclusive of a, of a club it was. And I felt there was a tremendous opportunity to get involved in it. So I got involved in it for um, uh, greedy purposes, to get involved in business and to do with chess what I had done successfully in the past with other sports, basketball, et cetera. And uh, my first goal was to get involved and create chess, to speak it in a different language that would relate to people that were more like me. Uh, I thank God every day that I'm not a genius. I consider myself a card-carrying member of the common sense community. And I was a ball player as a kid. I played basketball, baseball, football. I did not play uh, chess. It was not brought to me properly. I spent about nine minutes with a chess teacher, realizing I didn't want to spend my 10th minute with that person. So I felt I would discuss it in a different language and, and, and mainstream the game and, and get the kids, you know, some of the, the cool kids into the game, some of the kids that were successful in other arenas to appreciate the game of chess and, 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 and be excited about it and, and realize that, hey, this is a great game. You know, we, no one may have ever said it to us the right way before, but it's a great game. So that was the start of it. Then the next part, and I'll, I'll ramble unless you can, you can stop me whenever you like. Um, the next part of it was as we were teaching schools, we stumbled across special needs children, children that were on the spectrum, children that were less than social, um, and children where chess could be a game changer for them, where it would give them the, the, the ability to, be, to, to participate in something socially that didn't require grand social skills, where they could communicate on a board, understand the game, and that was very rewarding to me. So I started to focus on that with equal measure to the mainstream kids to find the kids in the ICT classes, the kids that were in special needs classes, and, and try to find where the talent was or where the appetite for the game was, where we could contribute something to their lives that they would not be getting otherwise. Um, the third part of what we did was we began to realize that there was an incredible economic divide, that the, that the, the, community, the chess community was not reaching into the, the underserved communities properly. There were some efforts being made, but not effectively, not aggressively. And that's how we entered the nonprofit world, where we started to go out there and, and be able to go to schools and communities with monies to say, hey, you should have chess too. This is great. We should bring it to you also and bring chess to people that would not have the temerity to approach us or might not even consider the possibility of bringing chess into their community because it's perceived as such an elitist type of game. It's not a mainstream game right now. Um, and from that, we've done some really good things. We've reached some schools. We're doing a lot of very special things in, 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 in those communities and finding kids that would not have found chess otherwise and, and showing them that chess is cool, that you know, there's street credibility to chess um, that they may not have known about. Um, in the past, it was you know, the elitist chess player and then the, the guys on the street that were borderline criminals and nothing in between we were able to give them the opportunity in the inner city to see that chess was a very cool game. We talk about chess with them as an opportunity to, um, again, the next level of it, to, to, to help them find career paths that they might not have considered otherwise. 
that we, that they can play chess and that chess gives them instant credibility in an arena that they would not ordinarily think that they belong, which was a very cool realization for us. We can show them that if you say you play chess, people think you're smart, even if you're not. If you play chess, it changes the, 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 the relationship, whomever you're speaking with, up to and including potential employers. So career paths through chess are something that we, we work very hard on, not, not as much in the affluent community, believe it or not, because I don't think they need our, our support there, but in the inner city and the underserved, under, under uh, economic pressure communities, we, we, we emphasize that a lot, that we can, you know, we can do a lot of things together. Yeah, you can teach chess for us if you go through our processes. But you can do more than that. This game is a vehicle for a lot more than that. And then the last part of what we do, without getting into our leagues and our competition and things, the last thing we did was we got involved in the, with the Department of Corrections where we have the opportunity to do two things. One is we go into the really hardcore prisons um, because we're a pretty normal group in, in, in a fairly abnormal community, the chess community. We're, we're a pretty level-headed group and a confident and comfortable group. So we'll walk into what are really dark and uncomfortable circumstances and advocate. And what I mean by that is that we'll be contracted by advocacy groups and we will sit and play and teach chess to the extent that they permit us to in these hardcore prisons and um, get some information on them, get some ideas about what they want to do, what they like to do, what they don't like to do, and then be able to give that information through communication and relationships back to the advocacy group so when they theoretically offer the support for these individuals when they're done with their time in prison, that they, um, they know what they like to do and they don't take a guy who has some interest in graphic arts and put him in a cooking class or, or vice versa. A kid who likes to do cooking, likes to, to prepare foods, don't stick him in, in a, a class that doesn't align with that. That's not rehabilitation. That's not going to help them move forward. So it's a big advantage and we enjoyed that. And it then evolved into the last level that I'll share with you at the risk of rambling on here. And that is that we go into now correctional facilities that are preparing young adults to return to um, society. That they've done their time in maximum security for very hard crimes or medium crimes. And they're now in a facility that is minimum security. That they go in for 45 to 60 days to begin to get acclimated to a little bit of freedom and move back out into society, and we donate a program to those facilities where we offer the, the, the residents as they come into the facility the opportunity to learn chess, to play chess with us, and that we explain to them that if they do play chess with us, that they can just have a lot of fun. It's a nice thing to do with us, and we're happy to just play with them, but if they would like to, we can help them begin to take steps with the game that will help them in, in, in the, the, the real world. And what we do is we get them USCF, uh, I, I still call it USCF because I'm an acronym guy, uh, but the United States Chess Federation, we get them memberships, and we play rated games in the facility. We bring in a tournament director, and we play rated games in the facility, and we teach and review games, and we talk about consequences, and we talk about the theoretical applications of chess to real life, and if they succeed at the end of the session, they leave certified as a USCF member. They have an actual USCF rating based on play within the facility. And we bring good players in there too to play with them. And there's two, one of two things can happen. One is we will consider them for employment with, you know, with, with Chess NYC. 
And the other is that we will train them on how to have a conversation and get away from the fact that, yeah, I was in prison for this amount of time, but this is what I did here. They kind of leave with something as a, a, a de facto diploma. They say, yeah, I was there. And here, look what I did while I was there. I played chess and I played rated matches, certified rated matches. And chess is a keen interest of mine. And we teach them how to interview that and how to change the conversation from where they've been to what they did while they were there and hopefully, you know, where, where they're going. Um, and that is Chess NYC 101 through 109. <laughs> no, that that's great. And there's a lot to unpack there, but I'm I'm especially interested in your in this in these prison programs. Is it talk about how easy or difficult it is in New York City to get a chess program into a correctional facility? I, I sus it sounds like a bureaucratic nightmare to me. Uh that would be a really good way to put it. It is extremely difficult to do. Um, everyone is always trying to find reasons not to embrace programs and not to embrace even volunteers. You know, we fund it. We, we, we put all, it's all our money. No one else pays for it. The state doesn't pay for it. The city doesn't pay for it. Department of Corrections doesn't. It is, but it is very, very, very difficult. And, um, it requires, you know, some bureaucratic skills to get in there. And I suspect, I mean, while there are some programs in there, it requires a certain talent and a certain communication skill to get in there. And I don't, I don't see a lot of that coming out of chess. And I, I suspect part of this is your skill in this goes back to what I read in the intro that you were a New York city school board president. That's, that's sounds like major political skills to me right there. Well, you know, I, the, how the whole way the, the school board president thing happened is I, I had been years in business. I'd been in, you know, involved in communications and promotions and things like that all my life. And I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a dad of two and I'm an active parent. And um, I, mean, I think I'm a good guy. And I got drafted to run for school board. And I ran for school board and I won. And then I went into the first meeting, which was virtual think tank. And I said, if I don't get elected president to this group, I'm going to kill them all. Because I don't believe in discussing what's wrong. I, do, I, I, I am much more involved in the monarch notes of what's wrong and then the application of what's right. And I ended up doing that for a couple of good terms. I've got nice relationships in the city and the school system. And yeah, that requires some communication skills. That, that, but that's, it was different from, uh, no, maybe, maybe yes, you know, the, it, it's more civil servants being able to communicate with people that are, that are having jobs that are responsible to big brother. You know, they don't want to make waves. They want to, you, you want to kind of like keep things moving smoothly and properly. And they're not receptive to things that are different from the norm. And certainly bringing in some young people to play chess in a, in a prison with hardcore felons is outside of the norm. That's inarguable, right? So I, I'd like to talk about a couple of things that I found on your Chess NYC website. Uh, one is you, you, you write that the Chess NYC philosophy is to emphasize the sport and fun of chess. But you've also talked about uh, how you, you play uh, you give offer rated matches as, as, as well. So why don't you expand a little bit about what you actually mean by the sport and fun of chess? Well, one, I think, as I said in the beginning, I, I got involved in chess because I think a lot of things are wrong with the way it's presented and the way it's run in this country. Um, rather than try to expand it, it seems to me that it's been an elitist community. One of the first things I noticed that I thought was incredibly wrong was that chess requires, in order to play chess, in, a, in the closest thing to a league environment that you that we have, 
you have to go as a school team. Um, and that, that, that dwarfs the growth because most organizations in this country are clubs and not teams. And that's in every sport. You know, the AAU is enormous in basketball, gymnastics, track, baseball, football, president's council, everything else. The AAU and, and, and the teams are, are, are brought together by a coach and, and there's a camaraderie that is greater than that of a school. Though so I'm not diminishing the value of a school. Obviously, to represent your school is a very cool thing to do. But chess had zero mechanism for uh, kids to play on a team of choice. And I thought that was wrong. So one of the things that we do is we create league play. And our kids, when they play chess events, we do something called play and go. Um, we, we, we create league events where they're, they're playing for points. And teams can play for points. And more of a Sunday basketball league than a great, big, overwhelming chess tournament. We think that's more fun. We train prior to play because we think that kids have to understand that losing is a part of the process and that it is not a defeat as long as you played your very best. We teach mindset. We teach, um, uh, what's the word for it? Um, psychological skills. We teach things. We want the kids to really have a great time. We also play a shorter game, and that's not necessarily popular among the top-level chess people. But we play game 25, five-second delay, or game 25, five-second increment. We don't play longer than that. And that's another thing that I think that chess is probably doing in reverse and doing the wrong way. Because the really good chess players that are teaching it are teaching it at a royal level. I believe that 90% of the kids will enjoy a 25-5 game and be able to sit down for three games in this ADD world that we live in today and get up and leave and have had a really, really good time and have also extracted the benefits from the game that's available to them and the, the valuable characteristics of the game and that that's a much bigger market than the 10% that want to play a, a much longer game than that. So Chess NYC puts everybody into a 25-5, and then we find that 10%, and we nurture them with grandmasters and international masters and, and extremely high-level coaching um, to play those longer games. But I think that but the, the idea, the notion of not emphasizing a shorter game initially casts a much smaller net, and, 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 and it's less fun. It's more intimidating, and we have to extract a lot of the intimidation factor from the game in order to get more kids and more, more people in general to play it. Um, and so we emphasize fun. We have a really, really good time. We train prior to play. Then they go at it and they play. They play each other every week. They're playing through each other. And we just really emphasize that it's a sport. We teach them that winning is great, but revenge is 10 times better. <laughs> and that you go back out there and you beat someone who, who's been beating you like a drum, that that's what it's all about. So who are some of the grandmasters that work with Chess NYC? Over the years, we've worked with a lot of them, um, and not so successfully because, again, the grandmasters tend to be that eccentric sector. Um, there are very few that we worked really, really well with. Um, we had Oliver Barbosa here for several years. They all tend to make social mistakes in the end, and it's unfortunate. Mark Paragua is another one. Um, Lev Albert has remained a friend from the very beginning. I adore Lev Albert. Um, he's not exactly, you know, the, the current community that we're involved in here, but, but he's a great guy. We just had dinner with him at Rayo's. Um, he, we work with him on like a, almost an emeritus basis, you know, where he's like a, 
He's a GM consultant to us. Um, we've worked with Alex Lenderman. We worked with Susan Polgar. Uh, she being, she breaks the mold a bit. She, I think she's phenomenal. I think she's great. And I think that she embraces the idea that we need to expand this game a different way. Um, a, a lot of grandmasters. I mean, a lot. We had Magnus Carlson came here for us. We paid for his visit to New York and he worked with our kids. I took him to a Yankee game and taught him baseball. Uh, he's a terrific kid. Um, but we've, we've actually brought him to work with Chess NYC in the past. Uh, there's a lot of them. It would be hard to name all of them for you right now. So all of our uh, organizers around the country seem to be torturing Magnus Carlson with baseball because uh, he was when he was in St. Louis, he was taken to Cardinals games by Rex Sinkfeld. And my understanding is he's he's not a big fan of baseball. <laughs> he really, really doesn't understand it. But but I, we were all patient and we explained each time something happened, what he was looking at. But I guess if anybody can understand the... You're right. He's not a He's a big basketball fan. Yes, he is. And soccer. Uh, and and if anybody could understand the infield fly rule, it probably could be a super grandmaster. So that should be fine. Yeah, I would agree. We've talked also a, a little bit about this already with your your prison programs, but Chess NYC, taught, you talk a lot about really wanting to give back to the community and reaching more charities. So other than the prison programs, what, what are some other charities you've worked with or donated to? Well, we work on a school by school basis. You know, we work, we have, we have a very affluent uh, customer base as well. So we work with philanthropically with specific schools. Um, and we bring programs to schools. Uh, we try to be the nice guys of the marketplace. You know, we, we go to schools that don't have money. If they, we, we probably give, I would say that our total customer base maybe pays on, on an average, maybe we get 66% of publish rates for our programs and for our, our lessons, et cetera. We give scholarships on a frequent basis. We go to schools absolutely free. We go to, um, as you say, as you know, the prisons. Um, we help anyone who comes to us to the extent possible. It was difficult when we didn't have the 501c3 because we didn't have the ability to raise any outside funds, any third-party funds. And, you know, we may be fairly substantial in the chess world, but it's, you know, it's still the chess world, like being the being the tallest midget in a midget colony. The world is small. We just happen to be taller than most of them. So we are able to, um, we were able to help them from our pockets for a long time, but the demand got much greater. And when the demand got greater, we went into the, the third party nonprofit world um, and developed the 501c3. And we have partners like the Friars Club. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, Friars Club is, a, is oh yeah absolutely I I think I heard that they just closed though no they closed for, for water pipe break they um they're open and one oh okay. and one of one of the, they're opening again in March but the one of the um executive director is on our board of our five hundred one c three and he may, he avails the facility to us we played in some some leagues online leagues and we they actually played at the Friars Club our team got together at the Friars Club. And he's very helpful. My, his name is Michael Jury, and he's extremely helpful in um, developing, you know, getting the word out, getting us in front of some publicity and getting the right people to hear about the cause. A lot of people want, want chess in, uh, across the economic divide. A lot of normal people want it across, the, across that divide. So we're, we, don't, we don't get a lot of resistance, but, um, you know, we, we, we do it a, 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 in, in incrementally as we're able to do it so we can do it with quality every time we go there. We go to anyone who comes to us and asks us. We don't. We're in the yes business. We don't. We don't say no to very many people. 
So becoming a 501c3 has been kind of a running theme on, on many episodes of this, this podcast. Uh, talk about a couple of things. One is, what is the relationship between New York City Chess Services and Chess NYC? And please also talk a little bit about how easy or difficult it is to establish yourself as a 501c3 with the IRS. Um, well, the first, the first part of the question is, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't want to... I don't want to share what we what we do in terms of <laughs> why we succeed, because it's a, kind of a trade secret. But I will tell you how the distinctions of the two are. One is that New York City Chess Services is exclusively a funder, exclusively a provider of funds to those in need. And New York and Chess NYC or New York City Chess Inc. We've become Chess NYC over the years because of the website. Chess NYC is a service provider to schools. Chess NYC is a service provider to anyone who comes to us for, for chess services. We provide them, which is kind of funny because New York City Chess Services is a funding arm, and, New, and Chess NYC is a, uh, is a uh, service provider, is, is, is a, a, an enrichment provider, a community organization. Uh, becoming a 501c3, you know, everything is possible. Is it easy? No. <laughs> There's a sequence to go through to get it done. It is not easy. And I think it took us something like 14 to 16 months. And making application things is a 60-page process. So there has to be an incredible commitment to, to succeeding in a 501c3 application. Um, I find that in the chess world, most people that have the 501c3 status... Um, well, let me let me let me let me, let me think that through. Five hundred one c three is is a useful mechanism to be able to work with public communities and public funds and things like that. Um, that's not so much what the chess community is. The chess community is you know they're looking for the million dollar lesson. They're looking for you know they're looking for the hit. Um, they're very proud of their chess play and they're very proud of what they they, they believe they're worth. 501c3, interestingly enough, the successful ones tend not to be chess people. They tend to be people that fund chess, that, that have a greater understanding of the bureaucratic approach and a greater understanding of getting those things done. Um, and they tend to be non-chess people that are actually the 501c3s. And it is hard. And it takes a long time and it takes, uh, requires a lot of commitment to get it done. Yeah, the 60-page document sounds very daunting. I can't even, I mean, it's, it's almost impossible. I had to look at one yesterday. I wanted to find, you had asked me for a comment about who I was, what my background was. And I know I'm not a real big self promoter, so I don't know what I had anywhere. So I had to go into one of these 60 page documents where they had to explain who this guy was that was applying for this 501c3 in, in Washington. Um, and yeah, it's pretty daunting to go through the 60, just to find that paragraph was no easy trick. So uh, another uh, initiative I saw on your website that I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but it sounded really intriguing, is your $10,000 championship challenge. Uh, what is that all about? That's part of the playing go circuit. The kids play for points. When they play chess, we do two seasons. We do the September to January season, and we do the uh, February to June season. And the top 20 finishers play for a $10,000 championship the third week of June in an evening on a, on a, on a Saturday evening so that if they're going away to camp, they're still here. And if they're 
doing playing soccer and baseball, and that's what I want them to be doing during the day, they can still make the championship at 5.30. When you play in play and go, if you win the game, you get two points. This gets us in trouble in tournaments because our kids all think that it's two points for a win, one and a half for a draw, and one for a, if you didn't win nor draw. I stay away from the word lose, and I stay away from the number zero. So obviously when you go to a tournament, you get one point for a win and a half point for a draw and zero for, for neither of them. Um, it's a little off-putting to them when they don't get their point anyway just for having played. So it's two for a, draw, a win, one and a half for a draw, both players, and one if you didn't win nor draw. And they all count towards the point tally to play for the championship. And the reason for that is that they can accumulate points by consistent participation. And by consistent participation, they can achieve growth. And by achieving growth, they become a better chess player. And come June, they play for my money. And it is it is one of the most exciting days of the year, the, the third week of June, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m., when they come in to play for the Bucks. We give out these great big two-foot checks, and big cardboard checks, and we send them to the, to, we tell them that the big, great, big bank is in Brooklyn. And then we give, and we give them the cash, and it's, it's better than any trophy they've ever won. It's very cool. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. It, it sounds like it. Uh, and, and some of the video I saw, uh, it, it, it definitely looks like the kids are having fun. And another thing I saw on, as I was doing some research I, that wasn't completely clear to me, is what is the relationship between Chess NYC and the Zinc Club and the Village Chess Shop? That's a good one. Um, Chess NYC, when I got involved in, we put some funding into it. Uh, when I took over Chess NYC, we bought the Village Chess Shop. Village Chess Shop is a world-famous chess shop. We still own the name. It's going to go up with a website shortly. But it was a, a well-known chess shop that had a display of interesting chess pieces. We bought an inventory, and we took the, we took the place over, and we ran it as, as a, a retail store. And the base of our operation, I would say we were probably there for three or four years. But we learned pretty quickly that the, the life it, the the need for the shop was really had really dissipated. Um, it was being treated more as a museum than it was commerce, and there wasn't a great deal of, of, of trade or business going on there. The element in New York City that came in there to play was unsavory, largely unsavory, and um, we even kept the place open 24 hours a day, so play could go on during the day. And we kind of knew in the back of our minds that people didn't that didn't have anywhere to go at that night could come and play chess in a warm building. Um, but instead of being appreciated for doing something like that, they stole from us. So um, what we decided was the week of Sandy, uh, which is a, the big, big, big hurricane up here, we closed the chess shop. We said it, 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 it's, its presence was no longer, it had been outdated, it outlived its usefulness. And so we, we were closing it, and Sandy, was, Sandy had just happened. We went in the chess shop, and we started to unpack pack everything to put into to storage and continue Chess NYC. But Chess NYC was paying all the village chess shop's bills, and it just didn't make any sense anymore. So while we're packing it, this guy comes over to us, and he says, well, where are you moving to? And I said, well, we're in a lot of schools, and you know, really having a storefront doesn't matter that much to us. So we'll probably take an office somewhere in, you know, in downtown or something and work administratively through there. And he said, why don't you come into our place? And I said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Zinc. So he took us around the corner and he showed us that he had this great club that is closed all day. It's only open at night for live entertainment. 
And he said, how about you come here and run chess? I always wanted a relationship between zinc and chess, which I never totally understood and still don't totally understand that part. But um, the place was literally empty. So we rented it. And now we are here since Sandy. It's got to be like eight years now. And we are in the club. We open up every morning at nine. And the, the area where the stages and the tables for the club at night are our chess tables. And people come in here and play chess for free. Not very many do, but they can. It's free. We don't charge any fee for that. And we have our office staff here. We have an office of um, one, two, I'm counting them, one, two, three, four. We have five or six at all times here, IT, administration. And we, we, I sit in a, in a booth in the corner like Tony Soprano, um, you know, just sitting there and running this chess organization from this club. And it's extremely cool. We run camps here. And some parents come in and say, oh, well, I'm not putting my kids in here. Uh, but we only have 40 seats, and we have no trouble filling them because the people that appreciate how cool it is, we've got a great audiovisual system. We've got a great, comfortable environment. It's safe. We lock the doors. It's secure. Um, it's just too cool for some people. And the people that love it are, are to the moon with how much they love it. And I think it's the coolest camp in the world when we run them here. Uh, you will never find a camp like we have at Village Chess at Zinc, anywhere else in the country. It's a true New York experience. We go to Washington Square Park, we jump in the fountain, we play chess outside, we play chess in the club. But the short end of your, your the answer to your story, your question is, Village Chess and Zinc are, we rent it, we're here all day long at six, we close it down, and it becomes a jazz club. We become fast friends with the people that own this place, and we're very happy to come every day. I'm sitting in my booth right now, and um, that's the relationship between Chess Shop and Village Chess at Zinc. Oh, well, that, that is fascinating. I, I guess we need to give the location. What, where, what is the address of Zinc? Yeah, I told you I'm a terrible self-promoter. We're at 82 West 3rd Street. <laughs> We're one block, one block away from Washington Square Park. We're between Sullivan and Thompson. And we're probably 20 yards from where the old Village Chess Shop used to be. So we're still in the We stayed in the neighborhood. Um, and it's a... It's a very cool place. Like I said, you come in, you can get lessons, you can come to camps, you can do program, after-school programs, um, you can come in and play chess with your friend for free, and, and it's, it's very cool, Dan. You, you'd like it. Yeah, so just to be clear, if, if you don't have a camp or something going on and someone's just visiting New York, they're free to come in to Zinc and, and play during the day. Yeah, and they make great coffee, and yeah, they come in. It, Village Chess Shop, they used to come and play, pay to play, pay a couple dollars. Those who actually paid would pay a couple dollars to play. That's not a business. We're not going to make a living on you know four dollars an hour or four dollars whatever it is to play at a board on a board. We just soon make new friends and meet new people and let you play here for free. So, if anybody's interested in getting more information about Chess NYC or uh, finding out uh, things from you, uh, what's the best way to reach you or Chess NYC? Well, uh, obviously, info at chessnyc.com is a general point of contact here. Our phone number is um, 866-321-CHESS, kind of a countdown. Um, uh, my direct email is directors at chessnyc.com, and I'll let you in on a secret for, the, for, for podcast listeners. We also have a chat box on our website that says, sorry, we're not online, but leave a note. Somebody will get right back to you. We are online all day, 24 and 7. So if, you, if somebody goes through that chat box, they're going to hear back from us very, very quickly. So... 
uh, let's let's leave it with what's your vision for say ten years from now. Where where do you see Chess NYC and uh, anything else you want our listeners to know about your organization? Well, Chess NYC has just initiated a relationship with the Amateur Athletic Union AAU, and our goal now is to get chess into their events to take place all around the country. We are going to be a part of the Junior Olympics in July this year in Hampton, Virginia. Um, my goal is to expand the game on a league basis to create these community leagues and, and these competitions that differ from chess tournaments um, to the extent possible. Play and go is extremely popular for us. So our goal is to get that in place and in force and work with the, the depth and the strength of AAU to help support us to run USCF or United States Chess Federation rated meets. And um, we want to go further and further into these correctional facilities. We want to, you got to go through a lot of people to find a few that, that are deserving and that really want and, 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 and you can really help. So our, our goal is to expand that in a very significant way. Um, and we're looking for additional funding and grants to help us do that because we are impacting lives. You know, we're, we're impacting rehabilitating adults. People make mistakes. We have one kid now that works for us that was incarcerated at the age of 15. So he certainly wasn't much of an adult when it started. He's now 20. And he's successfully working with us as an assistant. Um, that We have to find them. You know, not, they, don't, they don't come to you. It's like, you know, chess. You can't go out there and just start winning all your games. You've got to lose first, right? So we got to go out there and find some that maybe are not so deserving to find the ones that are. So we want to expand that a lot. We, we, I believe very strongly at this stage of my life in, in, in giving back and getting those people what we, whatever we can to make their lives that much better. Um, really just want to expand where we are, you know, special needs, league play, uh, underprivileged, and still finding those grandmasters, finding those kids that are just, you know, lights out on the boards. Was, you know, that, that's a lot of fun too, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Is the 20-year-old you mentioned, is, is he the young man I saw on the um, local NBC affiliate report on in, in uh, Queens Correctional Facility by the name of Anias? Yes, he is. He is, and he's been working for us since his release. You know, it's a very compelling story, and uh, listeners, you can you can find this just by Googling N- NBC4 New York and Queens Correctional Facility in Chess NYC. Yeah, it, it, it was a great story. It was, you know, it's a great result. He's one of the, you know, he's one of the that that rose to the top. Uh, he's probably a two thousand strength player now, and um, he's a child. He's twenty years old, but he grew up in prison. You know, and he's 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 he's, he's a young man that we're helping develop a little bit. We put him on our on our chess nyc basketball team and he's doing a great job with us there he's assisting coaches uh he, he is going to grow as far as he's a, as much as he lets us bring to him we're going to get we're going to bring it you know whatever as long as he keeps rising to the occasion we're going to allow him to mature and become a, you know a, a good contributing adult and by all accounts that's what's happening here he's a very 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 sweet kid so michael thank you so much for joining us it was a lot of fun listening to this it's, these are really fascinating initiatives that chess nyc is is doing and you know thank you for bringing in members to u.s chess and getting the word out there about what a great game we have well listen thanks for inviting us and uh repeat it for the third time i'm not a great self-promoter so your invitation was very much appreciated <laughs> you're you're welcome bye-bye Thank you for listening to One Move at a Time. Our theme music was composed by Alex King, a national master who lives in Memphis, Tennessee. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit with an educational mission. 
You can find more information about us at usjust.org, where you can become a member by clicking on the Join button, and you can donate to our cause by clicking on the Donate button. I hope that you have learned something new about how to build chess within your community. Join us next month for another Chess World personality and more good ideas.